Hello and welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. As always, I'm joined here by my friend Ski. Hello, hello. And Brent. Salute. And I am Alan. Today we are discussing episode five, The Triangle. As always, we're going to go through a, a recap of the episode, uh, talk about any particularly memorable moments, and then uh, choose our rating for the show out of eight slices of cheesecake. So without further, further ado, I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to uh, Ski for the recap. Further, further ado. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, in case, uh, in case you sound <laughs> a little low energy, uh, this uh, taping was supposed to begin about an hour and a half ago but um but ski, yes. ski spent about 80 of those 90 minutes on the toilet from what i understand and uh, <laughs> declined multiple opportunities to uh reschedule so here Cold we are blow. yeah per- perhaps a, a little <laughs> <laughs> perhaps a little worse for the wear uh, and see if you can get a little closer to your mic. That would be awesome. So. Did you listen to Conan's new episode today? No, I haven't listened to it yet. Okay. I, I think I forgot. I keep forgetting that there's new ones out there, yeah. although I haven't uh, made it through my other podcasts that I frequent just yet. Gotcha. Usually around Wednesday is the time I'm you know, through all of those and ready to listen to some other stuff. Gotcha. I've heard so. it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the ones I, I've heard all the first <laughs> season. I just haven't got around to the second season yet. So now that we've advertised for Conan's podcast. Uh, <laughs> All right, we're up to uh, Golden Girls episode or season one, episode five, uh, titled "The Triangle." Original air date was October nineteenth, nineteen eighty-five. Produced by Kathy Spear and Terry Grossman. Co-produced by Marsha Posner Williams. As always, created by Suzanne Harris. Written by Winifred Hervey. I don't think we've seen that name before. Mm. And directed be by Jim name. Drake. Uh, so we open in the living room. Sophia is trying to kind of shuffle out the front door quickly uh, when she is stopped by Dorothy, who, uh, you know, says, hey, you can't go out. She says, oh, I'm going to Mildred to watch the adult movie channel on a widescreen TV. Yeah, I think it's pretty great that, um, you know, even back in uh, 1985, porn was uh, was prevalent. I mean, not nearly as accessible as it is now. You know, I don't have to go to Mildred's house to see my fair share of widescreen porn. I, I like those, the adult movie channel. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, which I would assume is a pay channel as well. So. Uh, yeah, I imagine yeah. so too. And so she, you know, she insists that she has to stay because uh, Dr. Clayton is coming to uh, check on her high blood pressure issues. Uh, they kind of go back and forth about uh, the fact that, no, no, Dr. Silvano was my doctor. And she says, no. Dr. Silvano is dead. <laughs> You've yeah. gone to his funeral. <laughs> My assumption is that Dr. Silvano must have been a man in his mid-50s um, to have already <laughs> shuffled off. Uh, Passed away so, <laughs> right. so late in the game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, then uh, Blanche enters and uh, kind of announces to the group that she just came from a really great dress sale. And, you know, Sophia has to say because she has to see how, sh- how great she looks in her dress. And then, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things that I always think is funny as far as the way Blanche describes herself is that she always refers to herself as petite, yes, which, always. you know, I would think of petite as either short or, mm-hmm. or very, uh, you know, thin perhaps, yeah. which, uh, you know, for a lady of her, uh, you know, <laughs> of her age, she, she's, you know, certainly attractive. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I would qualify her as either short or particularly uh, small. So yeah. I would agree. I mean, I think as far as obviously, Sophia hands down is the most petite, right? You know, but I would say that you know, like Blanche and Rose, their waist size is probably 
pretty close to one another. Yeah. And I bet Dorothy has them both beat by an inch or two. Right. I mean, she may <laughs> not be petite in the height department. Exactly. But, yeah. But as far as a size around, yeah, exactly. I think she's probably the probably second in the house. Mm-hmm. I think when she's talking about the dresses, uh, Dorothy or uh, Sophia even mentions, oh, I'm petite. I better get down there and get a black dress for uh, Dr. Silvano's funeral. Right. <laughs> Now, do you think that the uh, the stroke that Sophia suffered has anything to do with her not realizing that Doctor Silvano died and she went to the funeral? Oh, I, I think I think she was just playing the con. Oh, okay. Like I think she knew that he was deceased. <laughs> she was just trying to get out of there so she could go watch, you know, the porn. Yeah. Right. Well, some nudie videos. Now, do you think that it really was the porn she was trying to get to, or do you think she was just trying to avoid the doctor? Yeah, I I would assume remote. she knew the doctor was coming, and so that's uh-huh. why she was trying to hightail it out of there. Exactly. If that was me, I'd just be trying to get to the porn. Well, yeah, I know. (laughs) Using Mildred's porn addiction as an alibi. (laughs) Right. Mildred, whoo, yeah. (laughs) The doctor arrives, or hold on a second. Yep, Dr. Clayton arrives. Yep, Dr. Clayton arrives. Uh, Dorothy and him uh, start discussing Sophia's condition as if she wasn't there while they're standing right in front of her. Uh, Sophia kind of interrupts and says, hey, you know, what am I, two years old or something? (laughs) Right. Before he entered, um, Sophia did have a good line, though, about, you know, he probably just wants to see her naked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which who wouldn't? I mean, she's a exactly foxy lady. Petite's petite. <laughs> right. Her and Mildred together, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that, uh, <laughs> I mean, who knows what kind of porn those two uh, those two ladies are getting together to watch, but I'd like to think it's some pretty out there freaky stuff. I'd like to think it's mature porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For mature audiences only. <laughs> Do you think that back in 85, there was a market for mature porn? I mean, (laughs) nowadays, anything, almost literally anything that you can think of. Thank you, Internet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's out there. But I'd have to assume back in the day when, you know, tapes had to be created and distributed and whatnot, that there was a more limited uh, fetish market for porn. Editing was so much harder back then. Oh, sure. Do you think the editing is what causes porn nowadays i mean do you think they're really not old people they just have a high cgi budget so they're aging them like i mean (laughs) editing video in general like it's so easy to put together like we could just pick up our phone and take like an hour worth of video maybe right or 90 minutes in your case yeah Uh (laughs) (laughs) well but still how does that uh how does that relate to fetish porn do you think fetish porn is just like oh the horse and the woman are not really in the same room but they (laughs) they cut two videos together Trying to Forced say perspective. That, that <laughs> it's really a pony. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that I don't know. I guess I would assume that you know, back in '85 or whatever, they were gearing the porn towards certain demographics, right? You know, and so the more mature porn, you know, for which we're referencing, oh, theoretically. Know would be, you know, targeted towards like an elderly audience, mm, okay. you know, and that elderly audience probably can't operate their VCR. So right, they're yeah. like, why bother? Yeah, yeah, I would <laughs> definitely have to think it'd be a, a smaller group. But at the same time, I don't know, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think elderly people would necessarily be attracted towards elderly porn. I would think elderly people would want something different from where they're at at that point. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the demographic breakdown is for porn viewers. And of mm-hmm. course, nowadays too, there's it's so... I'm sure segmented with all the, mm-hmm. you know, veritable options that are available. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I would think even back then that old people porn wouldn't necessarily be uh, marketed <laughs> towards <laughs> towards yeah. the, the blue hairs. Yeah. So, but I don't know. 
So, all right. So, anyway, so we've gotten past the porn and we've met the doctor. <laughs> the doctor's there. He's talk. He's asking Dorothy about her condition. They start talking about it. Sophia interrupts, saying, "You know, hey, I can tell you myself what's going on." Uh, and then, you know, the doctor addresses her directly, and then, of course, more sarcasm, like, "What am I, a doctor?" And so, uh, they're doing some. He's doing some basic evaluations on her, uh, taking her temperature and such. And then Dorothy, he's obviously putting out some some high level feelers here. She asks if he's uh, new to the area, which he is. Mm-hmm. Fresh you know. off the boat from Iowa. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Prods to see if he's married, which he isn't. Woohoo. Uh, and then offers to show him around Miami. And then uh, Rose kind of interjects and says, oh, I'd like to see it too. And then uh, Dorothy promptly stomps her foot <laughs> to kind of shut her up. Yeah, yeah, I did enjoy Then Rose goes into how she has to wash her hair that night and every night for the rest of her life. It's very oily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was a little surprised they didn't go the widower route with it. Uh, I, I just assumed that when she asked the question, be like, oh, my wife died. Because that's the way they've gone with most yeah. of the other uh, relationships, that are, yeah. I mean, other than Stan, of course. But yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think they were just laying the groundwork for him being a lech, like yeah. every other man they've introduced. Right, yeah, yeah. because I guess the, the first from the first episode, that man didn't necessarily yeah. claim one way or the other. He just, you know, mm-hmm. as far as we knew, he was single yeah. Yeah. and ready to mingle. Exactly. <laughs> so. All right, so... Uh, and that actor, by the way, the only guest in the in the episode, Peter uh, Hansen, I believe, had something like 120 other credits, or at least in that ballpark. But the vast majority was as the character Lee Baldwin on a General Hospital in Port Charles. Had a, a total of 472 appearances, which I was discussing with Brent earlier, and it seemed like a ton. But he was on the show for 40 years over the course of time. So it would only be about 12 episodes a year that he would necessarily need to be on to cover. Pops in and out. Yeah, apparently so. They called him Mr. Sweeps. Mr. Sweeps, yeah. (laughs) Because he just pulled the audiences in. We need him back. We need the ratings. Well, let's see. October 19th, wouldn't that be in the Sweeps ballpark? So I guess that's maybe why they pulled him on to, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. Golden Girls. They could get get that. Peter Hansen bump. Exactly. <laughs> so, so he was a devout Episcopalian. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't really know what the, uh, you know, all the various differences between different Christian religions are, mm-hmm. but uh, it's good to hear he was devout, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So, so anyways, at this point, we've already, you know, Rose has tried to, uh, you know, be a third wheel on their proposed date, and then, yeah. then Dorothy, Dorothy uh, kind of s- sits that out. And uh, they, they set a date up for the next night at uh, Jack's Crab House. Just at that time, uh, Blanche enters you know, wearing her new dress. Uh, the doctor kind of turns his head and is noticeably taken by her looks. Uh, she immediately starts to flirt with him, of course, mm-hmm. right in front of Dorothy. Uh, Dorothy then you know, pulls her to the, another room and says, Hey, hands off. He's mine. You know, uh, I've, I've got a date with him tomorrow. And she kind of, you know, back and forth with him saying, uh, you know, but, but, we're made for each other. <laughs> that was, uh, I think, probably my favorite line in the episode was in that scene where she meets uh, the the good doctor, uh, or maybe not so good doctor, um, where she says that he's, uh, I think, the most handsome man she's seen in Miami since <laughs> she saw John Forsyth perform Hamlet at the uh, Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's it, a great uh, combo there. If the Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater ever did or still does exist, it definitely is on my bucket list now. <laughs> it, it did exist, but it's closed down. Oh, that's a Aww. shame. But, well, so is Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. He, but, uh, I think it, like it, 
like it had a good run, you know, but I think it like declared bankruptcy the same time Burt did oh, okay. back in the day. Now, was that a, a, a single individual, you know, dinner theater or was it some of those franchises where they were Burt Reynolds dinner theaters? Blue throughout? just the one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause he's from Florida. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't think it's anywhere near Miami. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's up towards maybe even up towards like this, it's like north of Orlando mm-hmm. in okay. like the, like pure swamp area or whatever. Yeah. I like to picture that place as like a Jack Rabbit Slims where you could go in and you could have like the special Trans Am seat, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah, <laughs> I could see that. So, um, Dumb DeLuise was an actual waiter there. Oh, really? No, oh. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> Peter DeLuise probably was. <laughs> <laughs> was that his less famous brother? Perhaps. Um, <laughs> Peter DeLuise was his son. Oh, okay. <laughs> From 21 Jump Street. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I don't think I ever watched an episode of 21 Jump Street, but I'm aware of the show. Yeah, it's a good show. So, nor did I see the movies that uh, parodied those I've not seen the movies. So. I have seen both of the movies. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think I watched uh, the show religiously by any stretch, mm-hmm. but I did see a few episodes oh, okay. many years ago. <laughs> I saw the um, first, there are six seasons, and I saw the first five seasons on DVD. And I was just getting ready to start season six um, when me and my ex split up, oh. and so I was so like, did she get that in the divorce? <laughs> no, but I just, I just <laughs> I just didn't have the energy to go on. <laughs> <laughs> now, I assume this was the first ex, right? Yes, yes, okay. Yes. Um, so you were so so disheartened by that breakup, and a you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I just. That yeah, it killed it, your love of 21 Jump it was, Street. It was just something that I just associated with spending time with her and know. everything. So I think that means she won. Like she, in the battle <laughs> you know, to destroy <laughs> you, she won if uh, she killed your love of 21 Jump Street. Um, I think in any situation where there's a winner and a loser, I'm always the loser. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> I say he won because he's here with us tonight. Well, that's uh, debatable. <laughs> but. Yeah. I think winning would have been in, be in bed by now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a partial victory, okay? <laughs> yeah, he did have an hour and a half of winning with me prior to you showing up, so I guess there was that. That's really yeah. the better win anyway, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, no one's disputing. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, the scene closes uh, with you know, uh, the doctor departs. Uh, Dorothy kind of closes the door behind him and then says, you know, thank you, God, for your generosity, essentially. I found that the date that they had planned was uh, just completely throughout the pretext of her showing him around Miami. Because it's like, oh, well, why don't we go out for dinner tomorrow night? Uh, I don't know. There was no sightseeing involved mm-hmm. in that other than, I, I suppose, perhaps this restaurant that maybe he hadn't been to before. Exactly. So, it's like, look here. You can see the ocean. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's Miami. <laughs> Enjoy. Well, maybe J- uh, Jack's Crab House is a, is a big to-do. Maybe, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's no Burt Reynolds dinner theater, but... I won't uh, (laughs) argue that. If it was that big of a to-do, it would require, like, reservations and a waiting list or, like, six months out or something. Yeah, if I'm going to take a a prospective mate to Joe's Crab Shack, (laughs) then I don't uh, don't know if I'm really showing him around the town. All the Dorothy has to say, you know, Jack's Crab House will say, uh, seats under Maud, and then they'll (laughs) go, oh, right this way, man. Yeah. All right, so so now they're they're set up to go on the date, and uh, what well, he comes back oh, yeah. the next day, correct? So we open again uh, again in the living room. Uh, Dorothy is uh, coming coming with the various outfits, 
Blanche is kind of being derogatory about him, as she often is. Do- then Dr. Elliot arrives. Blanche offers him a drink. Um, he is fast to come on to her at this point. Right. And he says, you know, she offers him a specific drink, and he says, you're talking about uh, the drink. I'm talking about the bartender. Rawr. You know, <laughs> and he kind of gets handsy with her. Uh, she kind of pushes him back and ultimately punches him in the shoulder. And, you know, it's a get off of me kind of si- uh, type of situation. And then uh, he backs off a little bit and Rose enters, kind of breaking the moment. Uh, Dorothy then follows and comes in as well, and then they leave. Yeah, he was aggressive and uh, and handsy. Very quickly. Yeah, very quickly, and especially with the woman he was there to go on a date with, <laughs> literally just a doorway away from yeah. them. Um because, I mean, had she even gone Lots for the... Lots of discretion, the, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a... If he's that aggressive with someone who's a friend of the woman that he's about to go on a date with, then, yeah, you'd have to assume that he's quite the dick slinger. Um, <laughs> so, but, Very rapey vibe. Right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, then uh, Blanche pr- uh, proceeds to tell Rose about the ordeal uh, and states that, you know, she... Or Rose says, you have to tell Dorothy, you know, but uh, Blanche disagrees and then kind of goes off and tells a, a story from her past, Abbott and Costello style, mm. about a girl named Anderbo and Herbo. Mm. <laughs> now, I, I'm not super familiar with Southern names, you know, necessarily. I know there are some that are a little, you know, more unusual, but I have never heard anything close to the name Anderbo yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, I think I they, couldn't tell if that was a first, first name or last name. <laughs> I don't know. They were trying way too hard for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like somebody came up with that joke and just shoehorned it in. Yeah, like, let's, des- let's design the story around this joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, Rose there at the end referring to this person as Anderbobo. Uh, it was just a, a crappy end to a very contrived joke. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, the, the story essentially explains that, you know, she had another issue similar to that, and the friend, you know, basically forsook her because she thought she was uh, cheating on her boyfriend. Right. Or with her boyfriend. I did like their um, adopted daughter, Maylene. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. That was definitely another highlight of the episode for me. Not not the Anderbo joke, but <laughs> the Rose's reasoning. After, yeah. yeah, about they could get married, they could have kids. <laughs> They could adopt a kid. <laughs> and then when Mei Ling is having her coming out party, which is another antiquated term. Um, <laughs> I mean, nowadays, a coming out party is a completely different type of an event, yeah. uh, which, you know, it's, uh, you know, I guess uh, different like times that we live a, in. Yeah, it's almost like a quinceanera or something. Yeah, I suppose. Something along those lines. Debutante ball type of a, a situation. I guess if you're already at uh, the, the country club, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how I felt about her immediately assuming they would have to adopt an Asian. Yeah. <laughs> so, or that they wouldn't give the Asian a uh, you know, more traditional U.S. Uh, type name. Like Amberbo. <laughs> right. It was, yeah. qu- it was quite uh, uh, stereotyped immediately. Yeah. Although I guess really other than assuming that they would adopt an Asian, there was nothing else that was, you know. I mean, if you got, if you got a child that you adopted that was not an infant, then I guess you would stick with whatever name. Yeah. You know, they had originally had. It'd be kind of shitty if you were like, all right, five-year-old Mei Ling, from now on, you're Susan. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, well, that, uh, that's, uh, that, I love the part where um, following the uh, the uh, Andrew Bow and her bow, obviously, as we just talked about, Rose kind of tells her own story about, you know, they could get married, et cetera. And then after that, uh, she justifies her point, and they kind of cut scene again. Uh, yet again, we find ourselves in the living room. 
Dorothy and Elliot are arriving home after the date. Uh, Blanche is in there waiting for him. You know, Dorothy says her goodbyes to Elliot, and he goes. And then Blanche kind of struggles to tell her the bad news about what had happened before they left. And Dorothy uh, assumes, oh, you know, yeah, he hit on me. No, you mean he winked at you? He winks at everybody, right? That's, That's just what he does. And then uh, she kind of clarifies and says, no, no, he was really getting hands on me and being handsy and, and, and this pushy at me. And Dorothy assumes that she's lying. She accuses her that she's being uh, jealous. Yeah, Dorothy turns on her real quick. And now, real hard, too. And I don't know how long they've been friends, you know, because yeah. you figure when the when the season starts, when the show begins, they never really discuss how long it's been that they live yeah. there at the apartment together, but it's at least some length of time. Like, yeah. it, it hasn't been, like, a couple weeks or anything that yeah. they start that off, because obviously they live there long enough that they know each other's extended family to some extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew Ma, and, you know, we're okay with her moving in mm-hmm. and, and all yeah. that type of stuff, so... Yeah, they obviously had some sort of a, an ongoing friendship. I mean, it wasn't just uh, mm-hmm. hadn't just started the other day. Yeah, man, Dorothy turns on her hard and quick, and really, mm-hmm. you know, takes some yeah. pretty hard shots at her. <laughs> Calls yeah. her a slut and a Jezebel. Yeah, an, an <laughs> amoral, you, backstabbing, self-centered Jezebel. Says you mm-hmm. can never be a friend to another woman because. Of mm-hmm. <laughs> but really, though, I mean, if you look like Dorothy. And a gentleman caller is expressing an interest. <laughs> you're going to hold on to that for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I would say that at Dorothy's age, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily go quite that far. I mean, granted, Stanley in his later years wasn't <laughs> much of a looker, but um, you know, with hair and charisma, it doesn't seem like he'd be too bad. Well, but, but she'd been, they'd been separated what, 15, 18 years, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, quite a while, but yeah. But, I mean, she had had sex with her lawyer, at least, uh, yeah. <laughs> since that 15, time. 18 years prior. <laughs> right. Exactly. But she was still a tall, handsome woman 15 or 18 years ago. I mean, you've seen Maude. Exactly. So. She was just ready for another gentleman to, you know, enter the triangle. <laughs> <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle? No. or The Triangle is the, yeah, the episode name. It's what it's oh, named after. Oh, He's breaking yeah. it in. He's being, you know, wordplay. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like if he's entering the triangle, then that would, would mean that she's looking <laughs> for a three-way. The devil's triangle. <laughs> well, that'd be the angel's triangle, wouldn't it? Well, it's the mil- well, depends on who's involved, right? Well, I mean, I would assume it would be her, Blanche, and him, so that'd be the angel's triangle. <laughs> okay, whatever. I don't believe she was thinking that Stanley would come back into the picture <laughs> or the old lawyer. <laughs> yeah, that's the devil's three-way. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's at the devil's triangle. Yeah. So, anyways, sorry about that, uh, that uh well, they trade insults, and then the, the scene kind of ends. Then we open into the kitchen. Rose and Sophia are there, uh, and then Blanche enters. She kind of scoffs at uh, Rose's idea to tell Dorothy and you know, points out how poorly it turned out. And then, of course, Sophia's in there. She hears about the situation and instantly makes it about herself. <laughs> like, my daughter's finally dating a do- doctor, and he turns out to be a putz, you know? Yeah. Uh, then yep. Dorothy enters, and the girls are very cold to one another. And, of course, more insults kind of go back and forth. One thing I, I just I wanted to go back just a little bit that I thought was great was, you know, when Blanche and, and Rose first start talking, when Ro- when Blanche is about to reveal, Blanche, or Rose has another one of her hunches. Like, she mm-hmm. must be a pretty good judge of character because <laughs> she gets a hunch about people pretty quickly that turn out to be, you know, scumbags. Yeah. So, so, yeah, if, if you have a, a, you know, 
Maybe person who you're not completely on sure this. on. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so far, she's two for two on her hunches. <laughs> so sorry. So yeah. So they're uh, in the kitchen. What, uh, oh. Dorothy's outfit um, when she comes into the kitchen. Did you see what she was wearing? Oh, I'm sure I saw. But what are you pointing out? Uh, she looked like she'd spent the day like substitute teaching at Gryffindor. <laughs> it's, it's like this red and yellow like robes or something. It's so bizarre. I'm sure that was all the rage down there. I mean, you know, Miami's a magical town, Brent. <laughs> she she was going for a day at Universal. Yeah, it could yeah. be. Although I think in '85, Universal may not have even existed yet. That's very possible. So. I don't know when it was open. <laughs> Certainly didn't have anything to do with Harry Potter, <laughs> right? As Harry Potter did not exist. Yeah, did J.K. I mean, I assume J.K. Rowling existed at that point, but <laughs> I don't know if she had started. Uh, yeah, I don't think the first book was relay, released until like not the for many years. Many not years yet put quill to paper, <laughs> right? <laughs> so. uh, but anyway, the girls are very kind of catty at one another, and, uh, and then you know the door arrives while they're arguing. Uh, Blanche's like, "You can't leave while well, we're having a fight." Elliot. Uh, is there? She Dorothy opens the door. You know, she confronts him, saying, "You know, did you make a pass at Blanche?" Of course, he denies it. Uh, and there's a line that says, "He's lying. He's twitching and he's blinking." <laughs> yeah, I do like. Then Rose comes. And he's like, "He is blinking, Dorothy." Feel <laughs> <laughs> like that's such an odd thing, right? Mm. Now, right there, he could have just fessed up and been like, you know, we had just started dating. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know you very well. See, I, I did make a pass at her, but I haven't done anything since then. It was one time. It was time. actually before they ever dated. Right. It was before their before first date. And so, yeah, I mean, it could be like, yeah, I was just, you know, still mm-hmm. playing the field. But, exactly. you know, we're in a relationship now. I wouldn't. And Testing everything would have been fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, what is it? The uh, first we practice to deceive, whatever. But, um Oh, what a tangled, tangled web, yeah. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Mm, exactly. So, yeah, well, I guess uh, he ends up getting what's coming to him He's at the end. He's got quite the web, doesn't he? <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, he <laughs> lies. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about Conan's podcast. Oh. <laughs> well, we, we haven't talked about it for a little bit. Do you have a specific anecdote? Because I'm interested now. Oh, he has this bit about Charlotte's Web and E.B. White, and it's just really good. Yeah, so if you're getting a little tired of this one, uh, once again, can we point you to the completely unaffiliated Conan podcast? Um, I love Conan. So. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. That's the name of the podcast. Just in case you're having trouble finding it on uh, on iTunes or whatnot. So. I told you every single episode I'm going to reference Coco one way or the other. There okay. you go. Fair enough. Wow. That, I know you are on Team Coco. So <laughs> my grandmother had a poodle named Coco as well. So if you want to throw that one in at some I point, that dog. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was. Uh, she blind, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Um, a blind poodle? Yeah. Yeah, and it was a miniature one, too. So she was quite the feeble little dog. Yeah. But uh, yeah. she was scared of everything, though, so she had that going for her. Even her shadow? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, she was up to a certain point. She can't see the shadow. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe her fear dissipated a little once she couldn't see anything anymore. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, uh, he lies, and then he you know, sees himself out and says, maybe I'll just wait for you in the car. And then Dorothy and Blanche going to continue to argue. Um, Dorothy, of course, then sides with Elliot because, you know, he's definitely trustworthy where her friendship with Blanche is less important. 
Um, the Democratic oath <laughs> carries a lot of weight. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> she totally wants the D, I guess. You know, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Blanche says, you know, she's been, she's extremely, uh, you know, she feels betrayed and uh, she's never been so insulted. And she says, I'm not going to put up with this in my house. You've got to go. And then uh, Dorothy just says, all right, I'll find a place as soon as I can. It's very was, vague. Right, <laughs> yeah. True. It is vague. You're yeah. absolutely right. I mean, as soon as I can. Well, and then, then Rose says, you can't kick her out on the street. And it's like, well, she said she'd find a place. Exactly. I didn't say I'd put her out. <laughs> you know, like in a box. <laughs> so. exactly. Rose, is, Rose is visibly beside herself. She is very upset by this, obviously. And uh, then, of course, we cut scene again. And now Rose is in the kitchen. And then Sophia enters. And they both kind of uh, decide that they're, you know, upset about the situation going on between Dorothy and Blanche. Uh, Sophia then goes on to tell a great story about Sicily, 1912. Yeah, this is sort of the first. I mean, it's slightly different than the wording that becomes more more famous <laughs> from it, but it's the first of that running joke. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, granted, normally it's picture it Sicily, whatever year, mm-hmm. and this one it was Sicily, 1912. Picture this. But it, I would say that counts as the first, oh, yeah, the first appearance of that particular uh, running gag that goes throughout the series. That was a good one. And that, it's actually a pretty good little story. She talks about, you know, two friends are connected by, you know, three things. What is it? A, a pizza recipe and uh, I forget the other ones. That's horrible. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good anecdote. But, yeah. <laughs> it talks about, you know, that they're connected as a friendship and they're starting a pizza company together uh but then a man shows up and kind of drives a wedge between them and ultimately you know they they leave each other heading to america one turns out to be sophia and the second is uh, mama celeste mm-hmm. which uh, when i saw this i was like who's that <laughs> so i had to look it up yeah mama celeste you know is still around i mean although i believe that now they just call the product celeste uh, they drop the mama from it um and of course it's Basically changed like hands to- totino's almost in it. yeah pretty much now of course I, I think it was a pizza brand that was around for about 30 years as a restaurant and then they sold it to frozen food makers in its past hands several times mm-hmm. and, and it's actually there's been five pop culture references to mama celeste including so there's this one there was a reference in a uh, in Family Man, or excuse me, a uh, Family Guy, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Welcome Back, Cotter, and the only one that I particularly remember is there was also one in The Simpsons, where Marge is fantasizing. Now, Brent, I know you've asked us not to use uh, your full real name, but uh, Chad Sexington, which also happens to be Brent's <laughs> actual name, is the. Uh, <laughs> She's she's fantasizing about the bounty guy, although they call it Burly, like mm-hmm. their version of bounty, and, right. and as revenge. Homer uh, goes looking for a, a different icon to mm-hmm. fantasize about and gets a box of um, frozen pizza. And Ooh. yeah, Mama Celeste, I think, uh, threatens to cut him or something of that nature. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's a, I mean, I guess it's brand that's what been around since uh, I think it's at 32 to 62 is when their restaurant was open. Mm-hmm. So the brand itself, gosh, at this point, it's uh, been around 80 some years. Well, if you just take the story back, you know, 1912. 
if they parted ways slightly after that to go to America and Mama Celeste, you know, opened her empire at that point, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a long time. Yeah, well, it took her, what, 20 years in America to get her restaurant open? Mm-hmm. Um, or at least, uh, well, yeah, it's just open, period. So, you know, Mama <laughs> Celeste put in the work post, yeah. uh, post her time with... Uh, well, it's not like she, like, stole from under Sophia. I mean, right. she had plenty of time to start her own. Yeah, exactly. She had 20 years exactly. <laughs> to, uh, to get her shit together and make her exactly. own restaurant. Statute of limitations has run out. Yeah. Well, and she looks in, and then, you know, I, I didn't realize, but I guess the motto for the uh, company was Abadanza, which means um, to live life of plenty or something of that nature. I mean, I think there's different uh, Italian phrases, but it's all about the more or less, more or less that sentiment. But she said it with almost like an FU kind yes. of, and I think she does a, a gesture that more or less means that. Um, but I just was sure. I was like, oh, Abadanza must mean something far worse like Italian. Like X on you or <laughs> right, something. Yeah, I didn't realize it was their catchphrase. Mm. So. <laughs> I thought that was the dude from Oz. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like it'd be the same as if uh, like I was mad at McDonald's and I walked in and I was like, I'm loving it. <laughs> 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 so I don't know. I guess if you say it in the right way, it can still be an That's effective right, yeah. insult. Mm-hmm. So. That's very true. Okay, so so we get past that story, the first uh, picture it um, story. <laughs> and then uh, basically she kind of closes with, you know, just leave it alone and, and Rose's, you know, protest and says, I can't, I've got to do something. And so we cut that scene and Dorothy is, uh, we open in the living room again. Dorothy is asking uh, to borrow Rose's golf gloves. And uh, she and uh, Rose insists that she can only have them if she promises to stay. And she's like, I can't promise that. Uh, Elliot arrives and uh, Rose uh, then basically relents and says, you know, you go my my gloves that are under my I think she says she's like an instrument wasn't it a clarinet yeah she says the gloves are under my clarinet so Dorothy goes to find the gloves in uh, in uh, Rose's room and then uh, Rose uses this opportunity to turn on her womanly wiles turns on turns on the sexy I mm-hmm. like to say mm-hmm. starts trying to seduce Elliot uh, and then Elliot kind of shoots her down says you know. You're not my type, but uh, in doing so, he uh, she kind of gets him to admit uh, that he was hitting on Blanche uh, just as Dorothy enters behind him to hear this. Now, for what it's worth, you know, now granted, some of the stuff she was saying was goofy, but I would honestly <laughs> say that I, I would think that when she's trying to be seductive, Rose is probably the most attractive of the Golden Girls, in my opinion. I've always thought that. You've always thought that. Yeah, I'd still hit that. So, so we're, <laughs> we're would you? So you disagree? You're, you're giving me a look as if. Uh, uh, He's all about Estelle. I, I'm just not. I, yeah, I'm not. I, <laughs> yeah, I can, yes, if, if I guess if, if I was the good Dr. Clayton, um, like I could, I would definitely take Rose over Dorothy. Mm. But, but not over Blanche? You would still no, put Blanche as the. I, I think, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Blanche is obviously the more experienced, um, but <laughs> but I would still I, I would personally say that I, I would consider Dorothy to be the more attractive of the two. If I was, you know, you take Dorothy over Blanche. Not Dorothy, sorry. That Rose would be the more attractive of the two. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess you know if you're putting them in order, it would probably go Rose than Blanche, in my opinion, than yeah. uh, than Dorothy. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I guess to each his own. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> so. I mean, I'm sure. 
I would say completely they're... dumbfounded by my answer here. I feel like you're like <laughs> that. I that I just told I you. I think that he's I really mulling over this. It's, well, yeah, I mean, it, it means re- a lot to him. Yeah, it really seems like you've just never even considered like Rose isn't a sexual being. I could never consider her in such a manner. Yeah, no, I don't think I think that anybody would, who is going for Rose would be going more for companionship. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the you know I think the Arthur naughty, would disagree. I think the naughty <laughs> stuff is just sort of like a fringe benefit associated uh-huh. with it. Um, I mean, definitely, you know, Rose, or like you said, Blanche is more experienced, but you know, Rose also has a good ten years on her, mm-hmm. so it probably averages out. You know, but. I think that, like, if you're going towards Rose, you know, I'm sure Charlie's been built up in her mind so much that it would be hard to, you know, you know, topple that. But for Blanche, you're just one more notch. It would be, (laughs) it would be relatively easy to show up at least middle of the pack, Mm. you know. So, so, so you find her more attractive because (laughs) you feel like you'd have a lower bar to meet (laughs) like that. That's where your uh, your attractiveness to her, you know, at least is is augmented by the fact that you probably wouldn't be the worst man that she's been with. Exactly. I mean, Uh it's already been established as long as you take off your socks, (laughs) you're there. Rule yeah. of averages. I, mean, I don't know. I think that says a statistically lot. Statistically speaking, right? Well, sure. I mean, fair enough. I mean, yeah, you <laughs> definitely definitely have a, a wider field you're competing against um, than Charlie and, and Arthur. At this. Is Arthur, was that his name in the first one? Uh, I don't know. I just call him Pre-Miles. Oh, okay. But, Pre-Miles. <laughs> um, but did they ever consummate? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Because remember like, she walked out of the room to, yeah, and yeah, that it, it was, was wonderful. It was lovely. Yeah, it was lovely. I think she said wonderful. But, you're probably uh, right. Yeah. Anyways, that's uh, if you if you want to know for sure what she said, listen to uh, episode two of Sophia's Choice, the <laughs> Golden Girls podcast. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, so Blanche or not Blanche, but Dorothy does overhear him yeah. admitting. To, she hears him, and then you know she kind of confronts him, says, "You made you, you lied to me, and you uh, potentially broke up one of my best friendships. You know, that's a big deal to me." And so she basically tells him to get out. And he says, "Oh, I'll call back when you're uh, when you, in a few days when you've had a chance to cool off." And she's like, don't bother. I got nothing to say to you. All right. Now she's a good friend after she completely eviscerated <laughs> Blanche a couple episodes before. Yeah, but she, yeah, she told her, tore her a new one for sure. Yeah. Do you think her anger's misplaced? Her anger towards the guy is misplaced? Yeah, I mean, don't you think she should be hating the game and not the player? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, fair enough, but really she should be Can mad I at... Can make that my favorite line for the day? <laughs> well, uh, so your favorite line? So it's you're taking to yeah. print out a Brent's book. You're like, oh, my favorite moment of the episode is when Brent made he a comment about the episode. He is also my favorite character. <laughs> Brent gets eight pies. <laughs> oh, so he gets eight old pies. Wow. That sounds about right on your grading scale. <laughs> so. All right. So, uh, so, yeah. So then Dorothy. As she heads back to go yeah. talk to Blanche and try to set things right. Uh, she enters and asks if they can talk. He explains that she knows the truth now and she you know, openly apologizes. Blanche does not make it real easy on her, you know, saying, you know, that's, you're really hard on me, which is totally true. Mm. And uh, talk about how nobody has believed her in the past as well, including, I think, an anecdote about uh, her husband not believing that he was her first at their wedding night. Mm. And then uh, Dorothy points out, well, he wasn't. He's like, well, he didn't know that, (laughs) but he didn't believe me. Ultimately, she, you know, she says, I have to think about it. And Dorothy says, well, I understand. And then, like, seconds later, while she's walking out the door, she's like, I, 
I thought about it. I agree. I forgive you. And then they kind of get up and they hug each other. And Rose obviously has heard, you know, the goings on inside the room. So she jump, jumps in there and hugs them as well. And then while they're doing a little group hug, Sophia enters with two <laughs> platters of pizzas. Mm-hmm. Obviously a kickback to earlier. And she says, you know, one one uh, platter has got, you know, her pizza. And the other one has Mama You-Know-Who's. And then they all, like, they're like one's labeled A and the other one's B, I think it was. Right. And they all, you know, try it out. And they all pick A, which was mama celeste mm. and she's like you don't know how to pick men and you don't know how to pick pizza yeah, now what does that say about the quality of mama's homemade pizza that it would not <laughs> beat out the frozen pizza that she pulled out i mean don't get me wrong i like a frozen pizza <laughs> yeah but at the same time i'd have to think that if your quality for something fresh made isn't mm-hmm. measuring up to the frozen yeah. equivalent then yeah you, you have a, a ways <laughs> to go before you're going to catch good old mama celeste <laughs> it just seems like it'd be difficult to make a homemade pizza that looks identical right. to a frozen pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, the Sicilian way. <laughs> so. Unless Mama Celeste's, you know, pizza, you know, standards are just so high mm-hmm. that even at the, the frozen aisle, it's just like homemade. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, like I said, it was around for 30 years and then changed hands a ton of times, um, you know, after after they sold it. So it must have been quite the high caliber product <laughs> or, or perhaps still is. I don't know if I've ever eaten a Mama Celeste pizza, but I, I feel like I'm going to have to now just to just to test it out. Just to find out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now I can't ever eat a Mama Celeste pizza, but I can at least uh, go Celeste, the, yeah, yeah. Celeste the next best option. So, OK, so in this episode, Ski, did you have a particular MVP for this one? I actually picked Rose. I thought, you know, she was kind of awesome about trying to make sure her friends didn't drift apart and, mm-hmm. you know, being, you know, the upright one of them saying, no, you got to tell her, you got to tell her, even if it's hard, you know. What about you, Brent? Yeah, I think I'd probably go with Rose as well. Um, I mean, Dorothy, Dorothy Blanche definitely redeemed herself after her behavior last episode. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that Rose was the MVP of the episode. Yeah, I think Rose gets a clean sweep from us in this episode because I'd go with her also. Um, definitely did the best, probably in the episode the most, I would guess, and she most epi- or most um, of the scenes that involved either one of the two. Yeah, she was know. involved with both of them, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, I would go with Rose as well. It was a really good episode for her. Um, and then overall, uh, how many slices of cheesecake would you give this one, Ski? I gave it a four out of eight. I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I did have a different line, by the way. Okay. My favorite line was actually uh, at the end uh, when they're doing their little group hug. Uh, Rose says, it takes a big woman to forgive someone after calling her a slut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a solid. And then, of course, you know, I think Dorothy kind of tries to choke her into the uh, <laughs> hug to keep her from, from going further with that Make analogy. Worse, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I'd probably go with four slices as well. Yeah, I think I think that's where I land too. So I think we're all pretty much in sync with this one for the most part. Yeah, I'd give it a four. I thought one of the things I really liked about this episode was just how evenly split it was. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know we've had some episodes already in this you know short uh, beginning that have been very very focused on one golden girl or another, and this one seemed like it really did a good job of incorporating, especially the three you know that are of a similar age and. I think all throughout the series, uh, Sophia is kind of more comic relief than focal point anyway. Um, And and she did certainly well in that role again today. But uh, but yeah, I I think a four right in the middle, a a solid episode, but nothing spectacular. So, all right. Well, if uh, no one else has anything else to add to this, 
You got any fun, fun facts? Any fun facts, Brent, or do we already cover those in our uh, discussion throughout? Um, uh, what's his name again? Are you talking about um, the good doctor? Yeah. Uh, let's see. His name was uh, Peter Hansen. Peter Hansen. Yes. yes. Um, he was born in 1912 hmm. in Davenport, <laughs> Iowa. Oh, so same From year. From Sicily, yeah. <laughs> same year that uh, Sophia was cooking up pizzas with Mama Celeste. Sure. Oh, okay. That is Fair a fun enough. fact. Yeah, that is somewhat fun. Um, it's extremely fun, okay? Yeah, I mean. You don't get, you know, coincidences like that every day. That's true. It's a higher power, Alan. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably why they selected him for the role. Um, I'm sure <laughs> because so. his, his age matched up. Yeah. All right, well, with I that. Just, I just made all that up. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, looking for a reason to say Davenport. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, stay golden, Coco. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.